right, welcome to you if you're joining us online. If you don't know, my name's Susie, and uh, this is Ollie with two of the pastors here. And this morning, instead of a standard sermon, we're going to mix it up a little bit. Ooh! And um, we are going to reflect on DTI, Dreaming the Impossible, which is our national youth ministry, which is run by Vineyard Churches UK and Ireland. I head it up with the most incredible team from all around the country. And uh, it happened just over a month ago. It was our biggest year yet. There was over 3,800 people on site, including, yeah, including young people, the team, uh, their youth leaders as well. And that was more than 1,000 more than there was there last year. Um, and there was 150 churches over that, actually, represented from different, uh, all around the UK, different network streams, denominations. Even one group actually came from Portugal, which is fair play, good effort. Um, so we're not necessarily going to feed back in this way every single year, but we wanted to this year because if you cast your minds back, earlier this year we took an offering here at Trent and around the country for DTI. And this church alone, together we gave a massive over £139,000, which is just outstanding. Thank you so much again on that. And over 125 of you came and served on team, plus the youth team. Many of you are praying, and uh, we just know this is going to be such a huge of huge value and encouragement to us as a church. And uh, over the last few weeks, many people have been saying to me, Suze, how was it? How was DTI? I've heard it was amazing. And uh, my answer to everybody has been this. It's been, DTI was absolutely amazing and absolutely challenging in equal measures. You know, we saw God do some breathtaking things. The stories are amazing. You're going to hear some of them. But at the same time, it felt like a battle, more so than in other years. You know, it was hard. It was challenging for our team. It was challenging for me personally. Um, but the question... I've been asking, and, and you know, something that sort of I've been thinking about is, you know, when Jesus asks you for your obedience for something, when he asks for your yes, it often costs way more than you ever think, and it doesn't necessarily look like you think it's going to look like. But the question I've been asking over the last couple of weeks, and you might be asking if you were there on team, especially if you were serving behind the scenes, is this, was the cost worth it? Like, was it worth it? And my answer to you would be a thousand times yes, because we saw 370 young people come to know Jesus, over 200 of them for the first time. We saw physical healings. We saw God's kingdom break out in the most remarkable of ways. We had over 500 written testimonies. And I just don't think you can put a price tag on God changing people's lives. So yes, it was worth it, Oli. Yeah, and um, absolutely. And if, if you don't know me, I'm the youth pastor here, and uh, before we went, me and Suze were up here and we shared that this year from Trent Youth, we took just over 200 young people, um, which is crazy, but it was amazing, honestly, it was, it was such a good week, and so many of our young people were shaped in ways that will stick with them for years and years to come. And when Suze talks about the cost, we definitely felt that in some ways as a team this year, and not just in the practical challenges of actually taking 200 young people away, uh, but also just wanting to care for them pastorally with all the different stuff that came up, whether um, some of the really deep stuff that came up or the like dozens and dozens of trips to first aid uh, or even we had like a spider infestation in like the Trent Youth campsite. Only in Trent Youth actually wasn't it? It was the Trent Youth plague and um, <laughs> fortunately they didn't get into my tent but um, we yeah it was all kinds of things happening in the week but the only way it happened is we had an amazing team of volunteer youth leaders who were there like making it all happen and we had a team who literally came just to cook for 250 of us on a campsite and like me and Suze have talked and we'll be feeding like in Trent Youth off DTI for the remainder of the year just talking about it because the young people so many of them come back uh, either some of them have come to faith for the first time or just fired up to follow Jesus wanting to share their faith with their friends and the thing that we're most passionate about is them just wanting to walk with Jesus for the long haul and 
In a minute, we're going to see a highlights video, which will give you a bit of a flavor for what actually happened for the week. But the reason that Susan and I are up here this morning, we're going to have some young people up with us as well, is because when Jesus changes lives, whoever's lives, actually sharing those stories, it stirs all of us and inspires all of us. And so we know many of you don't necessarily have direct relationships with children or young people. But these stories are very much all of our stories because the young people and the children are just as much of a part of this church as we are. And so in many ways, as like a wider church here today and across the services, we all carry the responsibility of God's heart for our children and our young people. So these stories are to stir us in some ways, but also when, when you look to the Bible in both the Old and the New Testament, God's heart for children and young people comes through in so many different places. There's so many ways that we could find uh, where we're told basically to pass down our faith and our values and our beliefs to our children and our young people to the next generation. And over the last few weeks, John Bodley and Dave Miller, they shared a bit from a Bible verse where Jesus, he, he told us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And he was basically quoting from one of the most famous bits of the Old Testament, uh, one of the central te- teachings to the Jewish people. And when you read that in Deuteronomy, immediately after it says that bit, the next thing it says is impress these upon your children. Like, pass this down to the next generation. Don't let it stop with you. And recently, I was reading through one of the Psalms, and I was really struck by this verse as well. Psalm 78, verse 4 says this, We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. And as a church, that's very much what we want to do week in, week out in Trent Kids, Trent Youth. We love being a part of a church that believes in the next generation. So we just want to show you the video of DTI so you can get a bit of a look at it. tonight do you know that you're completely loved and you can be forgiven because of the good shepherd who laid down his life for you. God wants to raise up sons and daughters that will become an army that love God, that fearlessly follow him, believing nothing is impossible with God. God's greatest desire for you is not perfection. God's greatest desire is for connection. Him, we can live a life and a life to the full. I believe that God is looking for young people who are longing to linger in His presence. Because only one moment in God's presence can change everything.
isn't made in these momentary highs, okay? The gospel doesn't thrive in these momentary highs. It thrives, faith is made in those times when we're just living out the gospel day by day by day. So many churches gathered, everyone's so friendly, it's so kind, it's such a joyful atmosphere, just sharing what he wants the world to know through me. I just felt so I just felt his presence, like, so strong, I felt it. I just felt it, that he was actually right beside me and that he was in my heart. I just felt like God spoke to me that you are my child, and that's what you are. I am officially a child of God. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. To God be the glory, hey? And um, that was a spontaneous moment. That's not how we're going to be saying the Lord's Prayer forever um, and ever. No, I'm joking. Um, anyway, this year you might have picked it up from the video, but the theme was life to the full, which is found in John 10, 10, a verse in the Bible. And it says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And uh, life to the full, it sounds like absolutely amazing, doesn't it? And if I was to come around and to say, who wants life to the full? I think pretty much all of us would say, yes, I do. But what does it actually mean when Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full? Well, it's a big question. I'm just going to give just one or two little thoughts for you to chew on today. Um, but what's interesting, I think, is, is the world around us, like culture, it says something like this, doesn't it? Like to live your best life, like you get it through, I don't know, seeking the best experience, getting the best house, getting a great career, getting loads of money, going on all the holidays. But what's interesting is the reality is that whilst these things aren't necessarily like bad things, if you know me, I love a holiday, but... Right, if these are the places where we're kind of hooking our hope or we're, or we're saying these are the places that are going to lead us to a true and a deep and a meaningful life, then we're going to end up shortchanged every single time because ultimately they don't last, do they? You know, the holiday ends, the, the car breakdown, something goes wrong with the house, perhaps your career just doesn't pan out how you want it to, a financial crisis comes along. But you see what's interesting about this book, the Bible, is that it says something totally different because it says that life to the full can only be found in a relationship with Jesus, not in any other experience that this world can offer. And this, this verse, John 10.10, 10, it's really part of a bigger passage where Jesus is essentially saying, I'm the only way to get to God. I'm the only way there. And he's contrasting himself to a thief who he says has one job, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And he's doing it because he's trying to make the point so clearly here. I'm the only one who is worth following. He's warning us that anything else in this life, anything else that claims to offer us life, is actually going to take it from us like a thief or a robber. And of course, the ultimate thief and robber is the devil, who the Bible describes as the deceiver, the father of all lies. So Jesus is comparing this real life that he has to offer with the life that anything else can bring. And he describes himself in this passage, it's really called in two different ways. Verse nine says this, Jesus says, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. You know, he's saying it's only through him that you can have a relationship with God. And then he goes on to say this in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life 
for the sheep. And ultimately, if you know the story of Jesus, that's what happens. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die, but have eternal life. And so this life to the full that Jesus has to offer, it just goes beyond anything, like anything that we can truly get our heads around. That word full in English, it doesn't really do itself justice. It's overflowing. It's super abundant. And it starts now and it lasts for eternity. And it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that life's always easy or we get every prayer answered in the way we want. Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, I've been following Jesus for many years now and I've seen him do some amazing things. But at the same time, I've experienced unanswered prayer heartbreak, frustration, disappointment, the list goes on. But the thing is, when you have life in Jesus and you have it to the full, it's way better than anything else because it actually lasts and it goes on forever. And it looks something like this. Life that brings peace, even in the craziest of storms. Like life that can bring joy in every circumstance. Life that offers hope when everything around us looks like despair. Life that offers a love that is just so unconditional that however it pans out, it will never let go, it will never give up, and it lasts forever. And so as we hear, just, we're about to hear from the young people in a minute, but I just want to leave you with this, wherever you're at this morning, are you embracing the life to the full that Jesus has for you? You know, is there anything in your life at the moment that's acting a little bit like a thief or a robber? Because if it is, I believe that Jesus wants to meet with you today. Okay, let's hear from the young people. Ollie, why don't you welcome them and let's give them a big cheer as they come up. Okay, so uh, we've got Yoshi here, Charlotte on the end, Charlie and Dan. Come on, Sue's after you. Oh, thank you. And uh, we'd just love to hear some of the highlights from you guys. So, um, Charlotte, why don't you tell us like, some of the highlights for you at DTI? So, my highlight from DTI was when my friend Grace and I did bandioki, which is basically karaoke but with a live band. And we sang A Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus and we absolutely smashed it, just, <laughs> just saying. Um, but, but also, like... It was full of a, a room full of people that, like, we knew. It was a few people that we knew, and then other people that we just never met before. But everyone was just so, like, hype and just having such a good time. And it just felt so, like, familiar and homey. It was amazing. I had such a good time. And Suze, did you, did you have a good time there? Yeah, I got, guys, I got totally carried away, and I was in the mosh pit um, with a yellow umbrella, just, like, spinning it round and round, cheering these guys on. They actually did smash it. It was, it was brilliant. Thank you so much. Dan, how about you? What were some of the highlights for you? Uh, yeah, I love the bandioki as well. I was there supporting Charlotte, except I did not have a yellow umbrella. <laughs> and uh, I also like the talks as well. So I went to the leadership ones and I went to the uh, injustice and uh, diversity talks. And so the leadership ones, they were at 9.30 in the morning, right? Yeah, they were. Yeah, and you went early. to all of them. And uh, tell us, what, what were they talking about at those ones? Uh, they were just speaking about how to like, have more confidence in, like, uh, in the Lord and being able to like, express it to those around you. So good. One of my highlights was we decided to do a sort of prayer and worship uh, intercession night off the back of the main meeting. So it meant the main meeting essentially went on for between four and five hours. And uh, we, we thought we'd do it in the main room and see who came. And honestly, there was thousands of people there in that room. And we were it was just amazing to see young people were leading the prayer. And uh, Yoshi, you were saying it's quite significant for you. Tell us about it. Yeah, no, that was my highlight of the entire week um, because you were just in a room filled with a load of young people my age 
younger, older, and it was just nice to see everyone worshipping the same God, and it felt like everyone was all linked together as they were worshipping, and um, I could hear the worship, I could hear everyone singing worship over the worship band, and it felt like, oh, like, it was so overwhelming, and um, actually at the end, you saw in the highlights video, um, Sue's prayed for everyone, she said the end of the Lord's Prayer, and she said, for the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever and ever and ever. And that for me was just confirmation that I will be worshiping and following God forever and ever and ever. So good, so good. Amazing. I only found that out this morning, it's amazing. Um, Ollie, what about you? Tell, tell us a highlight. Yeah, so um, actually one of the times in worship, we've, we've got a young person who's been with us for years um, in one of the groups that I work in, in Trent Youth, and um, he's, he's not from a family with faith, he just got invited along by a friend and he came to DTI, and you could see throughout the week that like stuff was going on with him, and I remember turning at one point to him in the worship, and he was just worshipping away, and I just felt prompted to just to ask him whether like this was the moment he wanted to follow Jesus, so I said to him, and I like, tried to put no pressure, and I just said, look, don't worry if I've got this completely wrong, but if it feels like maybe this is the moment that you want to like choose to follow Jesus. And I'm like, is that right? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, should we, should we pray now? Like, and you can actually just like pray to Jesus. And we had this really beautiful little moment uh, where he just, for the first time, just like laid his life before Jesus. Um, and it was amazing, real privilege to be able to do that. There was, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. There was also a moment on the last night where um, some of you guys will know this song, there's a song that goes, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. And it kind of goes on like that. And what had happened is the band had stopped and the young people from the room just started singing it. And it started with one or two, well, not one or two, a few it started with. And then it started to break out amongst the whole room and it went on and on and on. These young people just singing, nothing else, there's nothing else I want. I just want you. And Charlotte, as we were talking about it this morning, you were like, I've got goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that, you just don't realise that you're actually in such a special moment until you look back on it because when you're in the moment, you're just so immersed in like God's peace and his presence that you only realise what has actually happened when you look back and go, wow, we just did that for nine whole minutes. That's amazing. And it was just such an incredible experience. You don't get things like that that happen very often. So it was amazing to experience, yeah. Yeah, and I was standing there just seeing what God was doing in the room and at the same time thinking, how is this ever going to end? It was like 4,000 almost versus one and it ended with this amazing just celebration and cheer uh, for King Jesus. And Charlie, you were telling me about something that particularly for you, uh, almost like the journey you went on over the week and what happened to you on a particular night. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I came to DTI this year. Um, I didn't really feel that close to God. Um, I felt like the mistakes I had made just sort of like made me unworthy for his love. Um, I hadn't really like been prioritizing my relationship with Jesus like in my day-to-day life. Um, so I wasn't really expecting to meet with the Holy Spirit, um, especially in the way that I ended up um, experiencing it. Um, yeah, I just... I had such an overwhelming sense of God's peace and love for me um, throughout the week. And I found myself in tears during a lot of the worship and ministry sessions. Um, And on the final night, I was being prayed for um, and just encountered the Holy Spirit in a way which I'd never felt before. Um, I just felt like a massive release from these thoughts and lies which had made me feel like I wasn't good enough, um, that God wouldn't want to use me. Um, Yeah, and it just... It made me realize that God has a plan for me and a purpose for me, and 
Um, he's always been working for my good, and I just need to like look at the truth of Jesus and trust in him and seek him in my life because like yeah, he has a plan for me, and he wants me to to prosper. So um, yeah, I think it just made me like it's given me like a new perspective on life, um, and I've got such like a strong desire to like to follow Jesus um, every day and trust in him. Um, and like following DTI, um, I felt called into like a deeper relationship with God. And like through this, um, yeah, I was planning on going to university um, about now, but um, I felt God calling me to, to take a year out instead of going straight to university. So I've decided to do the trend gap year and defer my place for a year, um, which I'm really looking forward to. And I'm excited to see how my relationship with God grows um, and my faith grows over the next year. Um, but no, I'd say DCI has just had like a massive impact on my journey with Christ. And it's just giving me like a, a new hope and a new excitement in my faith. It's brilliant. Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> and uh, Yoshi, as, as we were talking, you were sort of saying one of the highlights for you was actually God using you to pray for people. Just... Share with us. Yeah. On the last night of DTI, I remember the worship was just so powerful. And I felt like such a burning, hot feeling in me. And so I went out to go pray for other young people. I went to pray for these two young girls. And like, I had words to encourage and to inspire. And I remember they were really young. And so I felt like as soon as I had finished my job, I felt like I was done. I walked away, but then I turned around and one of the girls had collapsed on the floor, just pouring her heart out. And um, after that, I went to pray for a girl from Aberdeen. And um, I felt like God was speaking through me to her. Like we had a very personal conversation and I knew that the words coming out of my mouth wasn't, wasn't mine because I hadn't known this girl at all and everything that was coming out of me was all just God's word. And um, yeah, and after she actually said, oh, um, I feel like you really need to be on the worship team. But actually I am part of the, youth worship, the Trent Youth Worship Team and I didn't know this girl at all. So that for me was also confirmation that God was really, he was there. He was present in the conversation, speaking to me, and for me, speaking to her. And Dan, as well, you were telling us about a particular moment for you during the week. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so when I went into DTI, I had like a, an anxiety over like this year going into year 13, because I have all my A-levels this year, and that like decides where I go and like where if I have the grades to be able to go to certain places for uni and I also had a fear about the relationships with my family with my friends around here if I got in an argument or something happened and I wasn't able to like fix that relationship by the time I left so uh, it had like a, a hold over me for quite a while and I went into DTI and I hadn't really thought about it for like the majority of the time there and uh, we got to like the last service and it was a really good service, I felt God's presence there. But it wasn't like directed at the issue and I wasn't really thinking about it at all. 
So we got through all of the worship, we got through the talking, uh, and we got right to the end where it was like time to like pack up and leave for the silent disco. And um, I just started bawling out like completely. I just started crying everywhere. And uh, I felt kind of alone. And I got prayer by like a few people. And then by the end of it, like quite a lot of like my year group, all of my friends had come around and I felt like I had like a, a second family in church. And yeah, it really helped me. And my sister came over as well. And even though she is quite annoying, I will. <laughs> when I do go to uni, I know that I will miss annoying her as well. <laughs> so yeah, that was good. And then uh, after DTI, I felt that I'd be able to, you know, put a lot more trust in God. Uh, I felt that the the pressure I was putting on myself for my grades and to like have like perfect relationships with everybody uh, was like a large struggle to put all on myself. And uh, I've been starting to try and put some trust in God uh, to do with my grades, to do with my relationships, to do with pretty much everything, because I know that God's got a path for me. Really good. It's, um, it's so inspiring to hear your stories. And um, whilst we were at DTI, every morning in the morning meeting, we had a young person either do a mini preach or share a bit of their story. And Charlotte did that in front of all those people. It was absolutely sensational. And uh, so she's going to do so that again. People. She's going to come and do that now. So why don't you take a stand up and give us your best. Okay, hi guys. So as Susie said, they've asked me to just share a short and down version of my mini preach at DTI. Um, and so for me, when the last day of college was over, my mind went straight to DTI. I absolutely love going to DTI. You know, the time spent with friends in tents, the silent disco, the worship, the talks, all of it. However, there was one part of DTI that used to terrify me, and that was staying away from home. I used to struggle with crippling separation anxiety. I was fearful that if I was away from my family that something terrible would happen to them and I wouldn't be there to help or stop it. This anxiety had such a powerful hold on me that sometimes I wouldn't even try and give it to God or ask for his peace because it meant that I would never have to leave my family and I would always be there if something happened. In my mind, the solution to my anxiety-ridden thoughts was to work harder to sustain and give in to the anxiety. It is often much easier to allow anxiety to take over rather than use energy to battle it. I skipped sleepovers, school trips, holidays with friends, just so I could sit at home and keep the anxious thoughts happy. My parents tried to help me with counselling sessions, but my mind couldn't be changed. I was so certain that this was the way that I was supposed to live my life, a life of fear. My dad often encouraged me, it won't be like this forever. You won't have this anxiety for your whole life. But I didn't understand how I was supposed to get rid of it. I thought that this was how God made me and this was how I was going to feel for the rest of my life so I might as well get used to it. In 2017, my mom told me that she was going to be helping out at DTI and I could go and enjoy the week anxiety free. During one of the services, I was praying with my youth leader and she told me that she had an image of a feather trapped between two bricks. The feather was kind of struggling and wriggling to break out, and it eventually did. Hearing her pray that over me sparked a little fire of hope in my heart that I would be able to get this anxiety off my chest. 
I went through the rest of DTI, fueling this fire. But when I got home, my anxiety overpowered my heart and put out the hope that was inside of me. I went back to my old way of living, letting my anxiety control me. I'm sure you can agree with me that it can be easy to go back to your familiar ways and return to a lifestyle that you're used to, no matter what it entails. Over the next couple of years, my anxiety only grew stronger and stronger, diminishing any ounce of hope or freedom from this burden. During this time, my wonderful parents had a piece of scripture placed on their hearts. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus. Quoting this verse to me for two years, slowly but surely reignited that fire of hope and helped me to see that there was an end to this. Over time, I began to realise that the way I was living, sitting in my fear, was not God's best for me. God reminded me that this was not what he wanted for me. After praying at church, at home and talking to God, I made a choice to believe God and his word over my anxiety. I spoke with my parents and we decided that DTI 2022 was the best place for me to have my first night away from home with my newfound trust in God. This was a huge step for me. Five nights away on my first time away from home was very overwhelming. So we decided I would do two nights at DTI, one night at home, and then two nights back at DTI. You know, I realized that building a trust with anyone is a gradual process, and sometimes you take small steps, and sometimes you take big steps. For me, this was a way of stepping further into trusting God. Whilst at DTI 2022, I had the most empowering and uplifting time. The anxiety hadn't completely gone away, and those thoughts would creep in, but I would speak God's truth over them and remind myself that God is here with me, helping me overcome my fears. Something that is really on my heart is that you have to choose to walk with God. God is always there walking through life with you, but you have to choose to walk with him. Even if it isn't clear how God will help you in your struggles, it is much easier to find your way the closer you walk with him. You know, I prayed and had counselling, but it wasn't until I decided to have faith in God and put my trust in him that I felt true freedom. As it says in Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. You just have to be willing to let him in.